Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the You Heard It Here First podcast. I'm your host, Sammy DeYoung, and today we have a very special guest with us from out of state and who also lived out of the United States for quite some time, um, but they're in town this week to actually talk here at our church on Sunday, but we're going to do a little bit of a pre-Sunday preview and to learn a little bit more about him and his family and his um, ministry. So please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Joel Heiser. Welcome. I am so happy to be here with you. Good. Um, how's your day been going so far? Well, uh, a lot of snow today. Yeah. Very cold today. I'm not used to this, Samantha. Yes. Very but it's chilly. Going well. Yeah. But it's going well. It hasn't really stopped snowing like all day, which I thought it's kind of pretty, but if you're not used to it, it can make it very cold. But you're right. It is pretty if you're just looking out at it. Yeah. So it hasn't bothered me much today because I've just been looking at it. But when I drive home, it might be a different story. See, that's what scares me. <laughs> yeah. I'm not used to driving on snow anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're from Texas, correct? I live in Texas. Okay. I did live in Grand Rapids for 14 years. Okay. But nice. many, long time in the past. Yes. But now you're, how long have you been living in Texas? Since 2013. So about eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Nice. Which we'll get into that a little bit more. But before we get into that, um, I'd love for you to kind of like introduce yourself a little, get to know you time, like your family, work, hobbies, stuff like that. So can you kind of fill us in about your family to start off? Yeah, sure. So my wife is Jeannie. And Great. I met her in Denver, Colorado. So that's one of the many places that I've. I've lived. Nice. How uh, long did you live there? I lived there for six years. Okay. I worked in urban ministry for a while in Denver. Oh, cool. Awesome. And then I've got four kids. So of the four kids, uh, the oldest one did not go with us to Nicaragua. So that's another part of my life okay. uh, in Nicaragua. And he lives in Michigan yet. Okay. The other four lived with us in Nicaragua when we were missionaries. Nice. And uh, they all live in Texas. Awesome. So that's how we entered up yeah. in Texas. Are they all there right now as well? Yes. They didn't uh -huh. come they with you? All, they all live in Texas. Okay. So they're all, they're all adults. We have eight grandchildren, nice. uh, two here in Michigan Sweet. and six in Texas. Sweet. About how old are they? Like what's the age range of your grandkids? The oldest one just graduated from high school last year. Awesome. And uh, the next one will graduate from high school this year. Those wow. are the two in Michigan. Wow. Nice. So the ones in Texas are younger. Youngest one, I think, is four or five. Sometimes I don't remember the exact Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. So about four to five to 18? Yes. Uh -huh. Awesome. Great. And they've how long have they lived in Texas, the three that are in Texas? Oh, maybe 15 years, the okay. oldest of those. Maybe 15, maybe even 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So Texas is the mainly what they know now. Like, Did any of them live in Michigan with you before? All except our youngest. Okay. No, all three of them, all three of them that that live in Texas lived in Michigan at one time. Oh, nice. But the youngest left when she was just five years old. Okay. Makes sense. Great. So that's a little bit about your family. You have four children and eight grandchildren. Um, outside of family, you have had a few different careers, is that correct, or mainly mission work? No, no different careers. Okay. So, Can you tell us Samantha, a little bit about like those? I, like I said, I started out in urban ministry in mm -hmm. Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I was there for six years, and while I was in Denver, I went to law school at night. Oh, wow. Really not intending to become a lawyer yeah. at that point. Uh, and then just as I was graduating from law school, Jeannie and I were married, mm -hmm. and she wanted to go to college. 
And we decided on Reform Bible College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Nice. But I needed a job. Mm -hmm. So I got a job as a lawyer and ended up working as a lawyer in Grand Rapids for 14 years. Oh, wow. So you didn't intend to be a lawyer, but what made you want to go to law school? Because I was always interested in yeah. in questions of law and public justice, mm -hmm. and and it related to my urban ministry work in Denver. Yeah. So I went there more out of out of interest. Yeah. And I Curiosity. wanted to become a profession, professional lawyer. Yeah, but then you ended up becoming one. I ended for up becoming 14 one for fourteen years. years. It's kind of yeah. a long time. Yeah. Did you end up enjoying it? Or yes, yes, I very much did. So I did civil trial law. Sweet. Uh, so defending personal injury, uh, mm -hmm. defending doctors, defending other lawyers, and mm -hmm. did that for 14 years. Wow. And it was it was work I very much enjoyed. And Samantha, I felt called to that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Are you still, like, do you ever, like, I don't know how to phrase this question, so never mind. But so you did that for 14 years. What made you switch to, did you switch right from law to missions? Yes, I did. What? How yes, did I that did. transition happen? Yes, I did. So this would, this would be in nineteen late in nineteen ninety four. I made the decision to switch. So, so you know, I did not intend to become a lawyer. I yeah. became a lawyer. I felt it was God's calling when I was doing it. I enjoyed yep. doing it, but mm -hmm. it wasn't something I, something I ever said I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Yeah. And uh, during the time that I was a lawyer in. Grand Rapids, I became more and more involved in my church. Mm -hmm. And at some point I said, I, I, I really like what I'm doing in yeah. the church. And mm -hmm. if I stay with law, I was a partner at that time. I, I needed to stay there till I retired mm -hmm. because I was getting into that sort of a position with okay. the law firm. So Jeannie, my wife and I decided to open ourselves up to maybe God had something else for yeah. us in our lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, she is Hispanic, uh, Samantha, mm -hmm. but did not speak Spanish. Uh, her parents okay. spoke Spanish, and she learned a few phrases, okay. but couldn't speak it. I really desired to speak it well and for our kids to speak it. Okay. So we were interested from the beginning to go yeah. to some country that was Spanish-speaking. Yeah. So with that, we went to Christian Reformed World Missions, and the first time we went to them, it was like, you know, we're not looking for lawyers. We're looking for pastors. Yeah. Right? So didn't get very far that time. But yeah. a couple of years later, a friend said, why don't, why don't you go in again and see if there might be a place that, mm -hmm. uh, that you could serve. And that time the doors just flew wide open for us to go to Nicaragua. Yeah, that's awesome. So you said there was like a couple of years in between where you're waiting to go to Nicaragua. So how long were you in Nicaragua once you got there? Once we got there, we went first to Costa Rica to study Spanish. Okay. So I was 43 at that time, Samantha, and I spoke absolutely no Spanish. Yeah. So I, I learned Spanish late. Yeah. So we spent we spent a year in Costa Rica and then 17 years oh, wow. in Nicaragua. Wow. Yeah, I feel like it's, I always hear that it's harder to learn a new language the older you get. Like, I feel like I took Spanish for not very long in high school and I was only like 16 or 17 and it was hard for me to learn. So was it difficult? Was it like kind of frustrating to try to learn a new language at 47 or how was that year of learning a new language? Well, I, I love languages. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I love learning Spanish. Mm -hmm. My tongue would not, my tongue still has very much an American accent, yes. <laughs> an English accent. So that's been, been the big problem for yeah. me. But, uh, 
you know, in terms of understanding Spanish or reading Spanish or, mm -hmm. you know, speaking with my, my tortured pronunciation yeah. <laughs> that I can all do yeah. very well. Yeah. Nice. And then, so it, it was you and Jeannie that went. With three of our kids. With three of so your kids. the oldest kid uh, stayed in Michigan. He was out of the house. Okay. But they all learned Spanish with you for that year as well? They they did. And the, the three kids, of course, became very good Spanish speakers. I bet. Because of the age in which they started to yeah. learn it. Yes. So you all know both languages quite well. Yes. Uh -huh. And speak it fluently. Uh, uh, fluently, uh, Samantha. It depends how you define Okay. fluently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Enough to communicate, and you spent the adequate time to be able to serve well where you were going. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, I'm going to quick look at some of my questions. I did a little bit of research on the website for Resonate, because that's the organization you minister through, correct? Correct. Uh -huh. And that is that who you've been with the whole time? Yes, except, except it began as Christian Reform World Missions, okay. Samantha, and then... Five years ago, what was Christian Reform World Missions and Christian Reform Home Missions mm -hmm. merged, okay. became one organization, Sweet, and we got a new name, yeah. Resonate Global Missions. Did it change at all what the ministry did? Uh, it it did in that the ministry no, was not just outside of North America, okay. it now also was within North America, oh, awesome. at least from what I was involved in. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Sweet. Um, so on the website, I saw that Joel and Jeannie lived and ministered in, I don't know how to pronounce this. Shoot, I should have looked at this before. <laughs> M-A-N-A-G-U-A. -A -A. Managua. Managua, Nicaragua from 1996 to 2013, correct? Correct. Uh -huh. And while in Nicaragua, Joel helped found the Nehemiah Center. Correct. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What is the Nehemiah Center? Okay, so the Nehemiah Center really plays on the biblical character of Nehemiah. Okay. Uh, so Nehemiah was uh, was a, a Jew in, in Babylon. Mm -hmm. uh, he was part of people who were exiled and taken captive there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was very concerned about what was happening in Jerusalem because some of the people who had been exiled had returned to Jerusalem. Mm. So a messenger came to him and said, the city walls are broken down mm. and uh, they need to be rebuilt. And he sensed a call to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild mm. the city walls. Mm -hmm. So we we use that analogy, that story in Nicaragua, yeah. that the city walls of Nicaragua were broken down uh, physically, morally, spiritually, yeah. and needed to be rebuilt. Okay. And one of the amazing things about Nehemiah is he was able to, to get the people to work together whereas before they had not worked together. And so a big emphasis of the Nehemiah Center was Christians working together. So we had different agencies that worked together, uh, Nicaraguan Christians from different denominations mm -hmm. that worked together. Nice. But that idea, let's work together, together to rebuild the city walls. Yeah. Awesome. That's a really cool like visual and very cool how you tied it into like a specific story from the Bible because... It's like a good example to base it off of. That's really cool. So you helped find, like founded this. So what was kind of your role from like day to day? So after it was like started, what was your role? Yeah. So I was the, I was the first director, uh, Samantha. Mm -hmm. uh, 
there were really three organizations that were the key founding organizations. So I served as the first director and I would say my role was to give vision to it. Okay. And uh, uh, we decided from the very beginning that the training that we did, we wanted done by Nicaraguan trainers, by Nicaraguan yeah. Christian leaders. And so, yeah, developing a team of Nicaragua Christian leaders, uh, yeah. helping give direction to them and yeah. to the Nehemiah Center as a whole. Mm -hmm. That was my work uh, really until about 2008. Okay. Awesome. Um, you said you got, had to connect with Christian Nicaraguan leaders. How did you get connected with those people? Was it through like local churches or did people know you were coming? Like, how did you get connected with them? No, good question. No, it wasn't because people knew we were coming. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it very much was, Samantha, God leading us to someone mm. and then that person leading us to someone else. Yeah. And that person leading us to someone else. Yeah. Very much a, a relational kind of thing where you form friendships with yeah, people sure. and uh, they lead you to other people. Yeah. And that's probably, they feel like they're part of it then too. So they're helping grow this ministry. So they're helping other people in the process as well. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. And God just, Samantha, just brought us just excellent, excellent leaders. Yeah. Are you still like connected with any of the people there, even though you've been gone for some time? Do you stay in contact with many of them? Yeah, I would say many of our best friends are yeah. in Nicaragua. So Absolutely. we spent three months in Nicaragua this past summer. Nice. I had a sabbatical and we returned to Nicaragua and mm -hmm. were able to, yeah, to be with our friends there. Yeah, that's awesome. Really cool. Um, So thinking back to your time there, do you have any specific stories from living in Nicaragua that really stuck out to you? I know that's kind of a broad question, but like. I've never been there. I don't know what it's like. Anything that you would like tell someone that might be different than here. Yeah. So one of the things we did when we lived in Nicaragua is uh, things about 2004, we brought, we purchased some property and okay. uh, we built a house. Now, one of the problems that we ran into as we built that house was uh, uh, the, the developer of the property ran out of money. Mm. to bring electricity to the house. Mm. So we actually initially lived in that property without electricity. Oh, wow. And then for, oh my, it's a period of about three or four years, we didn't have water in the oh, wow. property. And water had to come in with a, with a tanker truck. Uh, and often we had to live off of, off of rainwater. Wow. So those were, those were some of our experiences. Yeah. Uh, uh, living in Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of had to make do with what was around you. Yes. Uh -huh. Wow. That's kind of wild. Um, so a little bit more specific in the Nehemiah Center, like is there specific people that it ministered to or like who were the people that you ministered to through that organization? Yeah. So, so this is the basic concept, Samantha, the Nehemiah Center. And that is that the gospel when people really begin to live it out, mm -hmm. uh, changes all of life mm -hmm. and, and changes changes society, changes the community. Yeah. So that was the basic idea that we were working with, mm -hmm. and, and then we worked with with pastors of churches, okay, of different denominations. Uh, we work with Christian school teachers. There's a lot of Christian schools mm. in Nicaragua. Uh, because the public education is 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 so bad in many cases, mm. so churches start 
schools, often in their church building. Nice. Uh, we worked with Christian businessmen okay. and women. Uh, we worked with, with Christian artists, but all from that idea that that living out the gospel changes everything yeah. in our personal lives and our marriages and our families yeah. and our relationship with our neighbors uh, yeah. and education, all areas yeah. of life. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, really cool. Thank you for clarifying that. That sounds really cool. Is that still going on now that you're not there? Yes. Uh-huh. So right, someone right. else has taken yeah, that so, over. Yeah. So Samantha, I want I said I was a director, the first director, but I yes. always called myself an interim director. Okay. Because my purpose from the beginning was that the Nehemiah Center should be led by Nicaraguan Christian leaders. Yes. So it was 2007, 2008 that I, I was able to hand it over to mm-hmm. Nicaraguan leadership. Mm-hmm. And that remains the case to today. It's, yeah. it's led by Nicaraguan Christians. Awesome. Really cool. And like you mentioned earlier, you have now moved to Texas. Yes. About what part of Texas are you so in? So the Dallas, Texas area. Oh, nice. Irving, Texas yeah. is the place. Uh-huh. Nice. Um, are you still currently working with Resonate? And what is your role with Resonate right now? Yeah, so I, I work full-time with Resonate okay. today. I, I have since we moved back from Texas. I really have two roles, mm-hmm. uh, Samantha. So. One is I work with our international program. Okay. And uh, I work with with five of our eight regions. So I work with Latin America, and there's two regions in Latin America. Okay. I work with the Middle East, and I work with our two our two regions in Asia. Okay. So this this really has given me an opportunity, and yeah. and Jeannie's come along with me for a lot of trips. Yeah. Uh, to visit much of the world. Yeah. So that's that's half of what I do. Okay. Uh, the second half of what I do, Samantha, is uh, I lead what we call our our guiding team mm-hmm. for diaspora and ethnic ministry. Okay. And this has a lot to do with the reason that we joined world missions and home missions Mm -hmm. that the people we used to think of sending missionaries to Mm. another country Mm -hmm. uh, these people are our neighbors today and so developing that part of our ministry has been a been a passion of mine really cool how long have you been in those two roles then really since resonate became resonate since the two agencies were merged so it's it's about it's about five years in the international role, and I guess the other one would be about three years. Okay. Awesome. I interviewed George Device a while back. Do you know who he is yes, as well? Yes, a very good friend. We work very closely oh, together. Nice. I will see him again on Thursday. Oh, I awesome. Spent about an hour and a half with him. So, Great. George, I'm sure talked to you about Healing Hearts Transforming Yes, he did. So, this is... This is one of the projects we have as diaspora and ethnic ministry guiding mm-hmm. team. Yeah. And uh, I'm passionate about it also. Yeah, that's awesome. It was cool to see that you both work through Resonate, but you do different things, but you're still able to work. You work closely with each other. like Yes, you said. very much yes. so. Very that's much so. I also know very well Jenny, who is supported by your, your oh, church. Oh, yes. I'm interviewing her next month. Fantastic. Yes. So Jenny... Uh, was many years in Haiti. So I probably visited her four or five times yeah. when she was in Haiti. Yeah. Awesome. Really cool. I'm trying to think of any other questions about like living on the mission field. Was it hard to like transition from like Nicaragua back 
did you stop in Michigan at all, or did you go right from Nicaragua to Texas? Like, what was the transition we went, back? We went right to Texas. Okay. And I, you know, I think, yeah. Texas is like a foreign country for us, too. Yeah. I, I grew up in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. My wife grew up in Denver. We both lived in Denver for a while. Like I said, we lived in Michigan. And yeah. Texas is, uh, is like a different country. Yeah. Right? But, uh, yeah, we're gradually getting adjusted. So much of it is forming relationships. Oh, for sure. That just takes takes time yeah. to do. Awesome. Um, to kind of wrap up the missionary part of the interview, do you have, we would love to hear any specific stories you have from the mission field about how you have seen God work. So it's very clear that God is at the center of, like, the Nehemiah Center that you started. Um, so any specific stories jump to your brain right now of how you saw God at work through those. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe just from the, first of all, from Christian education, uh, you know, as I saw teachers understand the gospel and mm -hmm. what it meant for the way that they related to students, uh, we just saw incredible things. Students that were, were kicked out of the government schools mm -hmm. would come to a Christian school mm -hmm. and, uh, the love that they experienced there would transform their lives. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, another another example, uh, Samantha. I mean, we saw we saw pastors and churches just take a a different perspective towards their communities. Mm. One of the stories we we've told many times is Pastor Tomas, who. Uh, who really preached sort of fire and brimstone against his community Yeah, and had a church that just never grew between beyond 18 to mm. 20 people. He would fast, he would pray, uh, but it just never grew. And as he began to understand uh, the gospel and how mm -hmm. the gospel changes everything, uh, one Sunday he, he canceled church services and, uh, he called the whole community to come outside mm. of the church because he had something important to say to them. And what he said was he asked their forgiveness. Mm. He said, would you please forgive me? Wow. Because the attitude I've had is not Jesus' attitude towards you. Wow. And that just opened up things. There was yeah. a Sunday not long after that in which uh, uh, the church went out uh, into the community and picked up the garbage from the streets. And uh, as they awesome. did that, the neighbors started joining in. Yeah. That church eventually grew to about 200 people, uh, started a Christian school, mm. started a technical school for uh, for kids in the community. But wow. all of that blossomed because of yeah. uh, an understanding of the gospel and yeah. how it changes everything. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear how you were able to like physically see the difference it could make. And you're able to see the impact that it had on other people. And the church was able to grow because of that. So that's, that's awesome. That's really cool. So another, another thing, Samantha, we, we found, found early on that one of the, the keys in Nicaragua was actually marriages and mm. uh, working with pastors and their marriages. Yeah. You know, often the, the pastor who, who was male in most of those cases, uh, uh, went to all kinds of meetings, uh, had continuing education, mm. and uh, the pastor's wife didn't participate okay. in that. Yeah. And and as the pastors and their wives got an understanding that they were partners in the gospel, 
mm-hmm. and equally in the image of God. Yeah. And that the pastor should have an interest in his wife developing her talents. Mm. We saw some amazing things. Uh, yeah. One pastor's wife, Lourdes is her name, uh, went uh, went to school. I think she had a sixth grade education when she first heard this. Wow. And eventually she got a college degree, became a, a psychologist, a, a counselor, uh, Excellent. She became that's awesome. Became a leader in yeah. her denomination. Yeah. But just just seeing again how the gospel changes people. Yeah, that's really cool. Is there any like online resources where people could like learn more about this or see anything more about this? Yeah, certainly the the Nehemiah Center has a website. Okay. It's in both Spanish and English, so okay. you can look it up. Uh, the Nehemiah Center. Uh, probably put the Nehemiah Center slash Nicaragua because there's okay. other Nehemiah centers yeah. around the world. Uh, but also there were two books written about the Nehemiah okay. Center. Uh, Sweet. The author is Carol Van Klompenberg, and the first one was On Mended Knees. Mm-hmm. But you can you can Google that. It's on Amazon. Yeah. You can get both books on Amazon. Really cool. That's awesome. I'm just like hearing all of this for the first time. It's really cool to hear, especially because this is a ministry that our church helps support, correct? Yes, yes, since 1995, Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Which was one of my questions that I kind of breezed by was how you got connected with First Cutlerville. If you can quick give us a little synopsis of how you got connected yeah, I, with I First I know Cutlerville. exactly how I got okay. connected. So, Perfect. So at that time, there was someone working with World Missions. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was in charge of, of connecting missionaries with churches by the name of Sid Norman. And uh, I just interviewed him too. <laughs> yeah, he he is the person who who made the connection with. First oh, Cutler, that's awesome! But, yeah. Yes, Sid just talked to our high school youth group on Sunday and gave a little okay. bit of his testimony. So that's really cool. Great, that's a very easy answer. You got connected through Sid. That's awesome. Great. So that's all the mission questions I have for you. Anything else you would like to highlight that I missed, or anything you'd like to add? But maybe just that, you know, we've had the privilege of seeing God working and seeing the church in so many mm-hmm. parts of the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing that stands out, Samantha, we participated in Kenya mm. on something called a prayer safari. Okay. Which is an incredible thing. I yeah. mean, everybody knows what a safari is and, yeah. and thinks of seeing lions and elephants and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. But, uh, a prayer safari was was Christians from that country, from Kenya, but joined by people from the outside like ourselves, really spending seven days just praying for people. Mm. So we went to public marketplaces. We mm. went to went to police stations. We even went to the president's office wow. and just asked people, could we pray for you? Yeah. And then pray for them. That's really cool. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think it's been really cool, especially I know it was really cool for me to hear about what this ministry is and how it impacts people and what you're doing and what was started in Nicaragua and what you're continuing to do here for Resonate. So that's really cool. Thank you again for taking time out of your day um, to come talk to me about it. We have just a couple minutes left um, to do the Sammy Six, which I don't think we'll get to all of them, which is totally fine. Um, But you mentioned before we got started that you read a lot of books but it would be hard to pick a favorite one. So do you have one that you maybe are reading currently or one you read recently, a Christian book that you thought was very good that people might want to hear a little bit about? 
You know, I, I always have a problem remembering the names. Of That's okay. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> but, yes, I'm, I'm reading a book currently about something called Internal Family Systems. And, okay. Uh, uh, it's a book that uh, written by a Christian, a Christian counselor that mm-hmm. uh, that deals with uh, uh, childhood traumas mm. and the way we sort of shield ourselves from those yeah. uh, through different ways of sort of managing and protecting ourselves yeah and how to get free from that mm-hmm. it really has a lot to do with trauma healing in yeah. many ways that that george device has talked about yeah, too yeah. for sure yeah really cool great so that was the christian book question i skipped over the first one but i feel like you might have an interesting answer for this one do you have what's the most interesting restaurant you've ever been to that you can think of it can be good or bad. So I, I love all food that I have not eaten before. So I'm a very okay. adventurous eater. If I see a menu, I'll choose something that I've not tried before. Okay. Sweet. And so my, my craziest restaurant experience was actually when I was an attorney at, and my wife and I were in San Francisco. We went to a Chinese restaurant and I always like to go to restaurants. If it's a Chinese restaurant, where do Chinese people go, right? Yeah. And so I saw an elderly Chinese man eating a bowl of something that looked interesting. And so I mm-hmm. ordered it. Mm-hmm. It was called the bottom of the sea, Samantha. Interesting. And so uh, it did not taste good. It no. sort of tasted <laughs> like soap, uh, soapy dishwater. Yeah. And I ate the whole thing. And wow. afterwards, my wife said, um, why do you have such a funny face while you were eating that stuff? Mm-hmm. So I said, well, it, it tasted terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and she then asked, she's not Dutch, but she then asked, uh, why did you eat it? Mm-hmm. And I said, I paid for it. That's a very Dutch answer. Was there any other of the Sammy Six that you really felt you wanted to answer? Mm. Let me take a look. Uh, look, Samantha, what else? Uh, Do you have, yeah. oh, maybe number four? Number four. So my girl. I love coffee. You do, but I don't. I don't like. I like coffee so much. Uh-huh. I don't like anything else in it. Yeah. So I, I, I like double espresso. I, I, oh, nice. I, I like it as strong. You like strong coffee. Dark coffee. Yeah. No sugar. No milk. Just black. Because I love coffee. Yeah. I love the taste of coffee. Just how it is. Just as it is. Nice. Yeah. I really like coffee, and I will drink it black sometimes, but typically I prefer like a latte or something like that. So it makes it a little too pricey, though, so it has to be every <laughs> every now and then. So that's probably better that you like it just I do just I, as I, it is. I, I love coffee, so you know, candy that's got coffee in, yeah. uh, ice cream ice with cream. a coffee flavor, yeah. anything with a coffee flavor. Yeah, like. awesome. Great. Well, that wraps up our interview for today. Thank you again for taking the time today. Do you have... You're planning to talk at our church on Sunday, correct? Yes. In the morning during the service. And just... then question and answer after the okay. service, Samantha. Sounds good. And that's with Jeannie as well. Yes. Uh-huh. Awesome. Great. Well, we're looking forward to Sunday, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. 